0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris. Thank you for choosing to tune in today. Hey, folks, I know I've said this a couple times before, but uh, I'm just blown away by this opportunity to interview remarkable people. And I'm hoping through these interviews that it helps you identify your foundations in life and stay grounded because this world is noisy, there's chaos happening all around us, and it's easy to get caught up in the buzz. Uh, but, but as we listen to other folks identify their foundations, it gives us the opportunity to reflect and identify ours and do an assessment of where are we right now. Today's guests, I have, I have Sierra McCartney and Daniel Gardner on the show. Uh, it's a brother and sister team. Sierra and I have been friends for, for a while. Jamie and I met Sierra and her husband, Daniel, back in 2005, 2006. Uh, Jamie and Sierra were working together at the, at the YMCA, and Daniel was in the Navy. Uh, we're going to get more into that here in a little bit, uh, but what started 484HERO was back on January eighth, two thousand and eighteen. While Daniel was serving his community in Pierce County, Washington, he he was murdered in the line of duty. And as Sierra has moved forward in life with her three uh, three boys that she had with Daniel, she she was looking for ways to heal and looking for ways to keep Daniel's a memory alive in her boys in her boys lives and one of the things they did was they would take coffee to Daniel's uh, grave and because that was something Daniel really enjoyed was coffee and then here a couple years ago Sierra realized that she wanted to make it bigger she wanted to bless law enforcement uh, with with coffee as well thanking them for the way they supported her in the aftermath of her husband being murdered and so she went to a coffee shop. She threw some money on the books and just said, I want you to give free coffee to cops. And as the last couple years have unfolded, Sierra and her family realized, hey, we want to make this bigger. We want to make this bigger. And so that is what they're doing now. This year is going to be five years since Daniel was murdered. And, and they want to bless a whole lot more police officers with a hot cup of coffee, letting them know that they're appreciated in the communities where they're serving. And they also want to um, want to re- want to remember Daniel. He was a man of character. He was a man of faith. He was a man of service and he's a man worth honoring and remembering Because when we look at his life again, it gives us the opportunity to to take account of our own. It gives me an opportunity to take account of the way I'm spending my time and the habits that I have and and is it good stuff? I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great police officer. I want to be a great podcast host. And am I am I getting caught up in busyness that I shouldn't be doing? And looking at Daniel's life is a great way for me to take a, uh, a, an assessment. Uh, so, folks, I don't think there's a whole lot more to say. Uh, you're going to be hearing about 484hero.com and Coffee with Dan Uh, I say we jump over and let Sierra and her brother, Daniel, tell the story. Daniel Gardner and Sierra McCartney, thank you for joining us here on the Gravity Podcast.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Hey, uh, we've been in conversation about your organization 484HERO. I'm excited to talk about the stuff that you are doing to honor law enforcement. Obviously, that that's a soft spot to my heart. It's been a rough couple of years, and the remarkable community, folks like you, that uh, are showing your appreciation to what police officers go out there and do every day is, is really powerful. It's what gets us through tough weeks, tough days, tough calls. Uh, but before we get into what you're doing as an organization, I wanted to rewind the clock. Obviously, Sierra, you and I know each other. We met, we do. holy smokes, man, time just flies, like 17 years ago, uh, I think, give or take, in Everett, Washington, and I'm hoping that you could take us back even before that uh, to where you and, and Daniel McCartney met and your relationship, and then go forward from there.
1: Sure, um, Daniel and I grew up together in a really small town in Northern California, we knew each other just because it was a small community. Our dads worked for the same company. Um, we played on the same soccer team. So we just had always been friends. And the his senior year of high school, um, our friendship grew. We spent a lot of time hanging out, um, just doing fun things that friends do. Um, and then I uh, got... <laughs> the news, the big news that my parents had decided to relocate our family to Washington State. And we would be leaving um, as soon as the school year ended. Um, so that would be the end of my junior year. Um, Daniel had would be graduating. And it felt just kind of like my world had come crashing down for a high schooler to think that I was up and leaving. So Um, My family moved. I moved with them. And Daniel joined the U.S. Navy and went off to do his basic training and um, all of his schooling for his specialty position. I went on to do my senior year of high school. I went to cosmetology school. And when that was wrapping up, we, Daniel and I reconnected. Um, We started texting and talking on the phone. And he was in the midst of getting ready to choose orders for his next location and he was telling me that he had his heart set on going overseas like nothing was going to stop him he was number one in his class he was going to get first pick and he was like leaving the country and I was like cool that sounds awesome good luck I and I'm in my the back of my head thinking well this is over like (laughs) nothing's going to happen with us Um, I think that we both had kind of crushed on each other, you know, throughout the years, but nothing ever came of it. So um, long story short, he ended up having to have, like, um, emergency dental work or something on the day that they were picking orders. He did not get to pick his orders first, and he got what was left at the bottom of the bucket, which happened to be Washington State. So Someone was disappointed, some other person was completely thrilled, (laughs) and he took his orders and was assigned to the USS Abraham Lincoln in Everett, Washington. He started spending weekends at um, my home with my family. Um, He would come down, drive down every weekend and stay for two nights, and we just spent time together and time with my family, and um, less than a year later, we were engaged and planning a wedding.
0: Wow. Yeah. Nothing's going to stop me from going overseas. Nothing. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. There's a few things that might stop you from going overseas. Yep. Uh, So you guys get married. What year was that?
1: We got married in 2004.
0: I love it. And uh, where did you, I'm assuming that's when you relocated with him to Everett, Washington area.
1: Yeah. So we actually got married in October of 2004 and he deployed, um, 12 days later. So I just remained living at my parents' house and he was gone for six months. Um, and when he came back, I moved up to Everett. We got our first apartment together and went from there. And we bounced back and forth between Everett and, um, for a couple of years.
0: You know, Jamie and I just recently were talking about, one of the things we talk about on Marriage Mondays is date night, how important it is to date our spouse so that when our kids graduate and leave the house, we don't look at each other and go, who are you? And Siri, you're responsible for Jamie and I getting dates for about a year because uh, we don't trust a lot of people. Unfortunately, that's one of the consequences of being a police officer is is your trust factor in people. Uh, It can't be shallow. It has to be deep. And And we would bring the kids to the YMCA, and we would drop them off in childcare. Mm -hmm. And her and I would go up and play racquetball for an hour. I hadn't played racquetball before that. I haven't played racquetball since that, other than maybe a game or two. Uh, I was playing racquetball because I wanted to be with my wife. And I wanted it just to be the two of us. So before we go on from there, thank you so much. Because you're responsible (laughs) for us having dates for about a year because I trusted you. Uh, And um, hey, there's something... Uh, your your faith, I, I know just because of being friends with you and checking out the 484hero.com website, I saw that was something that, that you guys uh, spotlighted because it's a piece of who you are. Uh, so just tell us about your faith background, yours and Daniel's.
1: Um, Yeah, so I was raised in a Christian home, um, you know, attending church all my life, youth group and all of the things, and it was just a strong foundation um, for me. Daniel grew up I think kind of in and out of church Um, and so he had some basics but when we were dating and he would come down and stay the weekends um, we would go to church on Sundays and that was when his faith really started to grow um, and he started to pursue Christ and even more so when he went on He was after we were married and he went on that deployment and he was stuck on a boat for six months with, you know, just the same people day in and day out. And he experienced a lot of conflict and he just really at that time pressed into Christ and his relationship Um, grew and him and I just so much conversation back and forth via email because that was our main you know communication and when he did call it was like crinkly in the background it was terrible communication so we had that time just really that helped us grow our relationship in Christ together Mm -hmm. and I think I guess step back stepping back a little bit we had a hard conversation when we were approaching the point in our dating relationship where we wanted to get engaged but i told him um we can't move forward unless i know where your heart is at um and that was when he took it very seriously and um so a few years after we got married i can't remember the year but he we were, I think we had had our first baby and then he was um, baptized or, you know, and all those things. So it just continued to grow year after year. And um, I think he just dove even deeper once he was into law enforcement and he knew that he had to have that solid foundation to be able to withstand the hardships of being in law enforcement.
0: Yeah. The perspective that my faith in Christ gives me in, in the midst of everything I see as a police officer uh, is powerful. I can't, I don't know what I would do without, without it. So I can relate. Mm -hmm. So I remember talking with Daniel, he's thinking about getting out of the Navy. He wants to become a a civilian police officer here in Washington Mm -hmm. state. He realized that dream by getting hired by Hoquiam police department. Is that correct? Yes. What was that like you as relocating to, I mean, Hoquiam is a small town.
1: It is. Well, yeah. And so it's just, it was like 20 minutes or so from Montesano, which is where my family was living. So we relocated back there. Um, but it was like for me going back home, um, to, but to a small community and, but for us, it was settling down and being able to start our family.
0: I love it. And he was successful there. I mean, he did a lot of specialties. He did. Bicycle patrol SWAT. Can you just talk about what that early part of his career was like? I mean, he's realizing this dream that he had and, and it looks like he's not taking it for granted. I mean, he's doing... Every ounce of it that he can.
1: He, I would say that he had, he definitely had the adrenaline. I don't know what you guys call it, but he, he wanted to catch the bad guys. He, it was fun. He got a thrill out of it. I mean, every morning that he would come home, you know, it was recapping in great detail. Every single call that he went on every single every single call he went on. (laughs) And I mean, it didn't matter how tired he was, we would sit and, you know, I would be feeding kids breakfast and he would be telling me all about his night. Um he loved it. He it it just it gave him I think a feeling of he felt like he belonged within the law enforcement community and he felt like he was doing what he was meant to do.
0: Yeah. Hey Daniel, what what's that like as a brother in law? I mean this is your sister, right? I mean, I I'm a I have a sister, a younger sister, and as b- older brothers or as brothers, we it's easy for us to be defense, uh, Yeah, to want to defend our, our, our sisters. And man, you got this, this Navy guy that, you know, wants to, you know, woo your sister and, and now he's going to be a police officer. Dude, what's up with your hero complex? I mean, I don't know. I'm being a little bit sarcastic, of course, but sure. what was this like for you?
2: Well, I will back up just a little bit because it kind of plays into your question here. Um, when he was deployed um, and I and I knew Daniel growing up, just not very well. And to be quite honest, I I had concerns for my sister just to protect her. But I think the the coolest thing that happened and really where Daniel and I's relationship started was when he was deployed I had the privilege of receiving and sending emails to him. And I remember him asking questions about faith and some very deep Bible questions. And that is really where our relationship started. And I'm so thankful to look back on that and be able to speak into his life. And it really gave me the confidence to know that He's serious about this. He's serious about a relationship with God. And from there, it just took off. And he he never slowed down from there with his faith. And we've seen that throughout his whole career, not just for himself, but anybody that he came in contact with, wanting them to be able to change their life, not just putting somebody in jail, but like, how can I use my faith to speak into somebody's life?
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And as a, as a, as a police officer, you get that opportunity, right? I mean, you, you, you find people at their low point or definitely at a low point Mm -hmm. and you have the opportunity to speak hope and truth into their life. And I've heard other police officers say it's, it's really a missionary calling almost, you know, for them. And, uh, they're just getting their their money instead of through missionary sport. It's getting routed through a city government instead. So I love that. I was laughing when you all were talking about him coming home and retelling every story because <laughs> uh definitely earlier in my in my career, I did that like every single day and i'm I'm throwing in sound effects. and Jamie's like, "Hey, babe, you don't need to actually like." You don't, you don't need to tell me what the siren sounds like. I know what it sounds like. Uh. And it's kind of loud when you do that for me. So, I mean, you can just tell me you turned on your siren. To this day, I still use the sound effects. It makes for a better story. So, Totally. So, things are going great at Hoquium. I mean, lots of opportunity, but at some point, uh, Daniel is filling the itch to, to test for another agency. Why was that, Sierra?
1: Yeah, I think he just, um, Hoquam was amazing. It, he loved it there. He loved the people he worked with. Chief Myers was amazing. Um, he was a great a great chief to work for. But Daniel just knew that at the time where they were in their department um, and the amount of people that were ahead of him in rank, there wasn't going to be a lot of potential for advancing. And he, I guess he just didn't want to do 10 or 15 years you know before he had the opportunity to do more so we started talking about the you know the option of relocating um, and we looked at lots of different areas including the tri-cities he actually interviewed with snohomish county in the process and pierce county and it actually came down to it. snohomish county had offered him um, a job and right at the same time as pierce county finally got back to us and we just felt like that was where we were supposed to be a little bit closer to family still and he, I remember him saying Pierce County is the department that I want to work for. He thought that that was where a lot, you know, he thought that's where the action was, it, you know, he's still, cause he's still, he was still young in his career. That was, it, it was sounded fun to him. So um, ultimately that was where we ended up.
0: And his call sign for Pierce County was four, eight, four, correct. Mm-hmm. Right. And what was your your guys' life like? Did it, I, I know that CrossFit has been a big piece for you guys at some point. Was that back in Hoquiam as well, or is that something that you guys started when you relocated to Pierce County?
1: Yeah, you know, fitness, physical fitness for Daniel in general was a huge part of his life. He played every sport, you know, all of his growing up years and through high school. Um, he started playing college football before he, Um, Truly felt God saying, actually, you're going to go into the Navy to wrap that whole story up. So he has always been into working out, weightlifting, doing all of the things. Um, And so he started CrossFit when we were still in um, Grace Harbor County and he was working for Hoquiam. And then he just continued on. And when we moved um, to Yelm and he was working for Pierce County, he found the Yelm CrossFit gym that really truly became just his home away from home. It was his outlet. It's where he was able to let off his steam from work and kind of just let things go and where he was able to take care of his body physically so that he was fit and able to go and do the job better. And uh, during that time, he also got certified. He was a CrossFit coach. Ultimately, Daniel's dream was to have his own CrossFit gym. And that was the direction that we were trying to move into. As a family, we had had like a Five-year plan for him to get out of law enforcement, and we were going to open our own gym.
0: Love it. So, at this point, how many sons do you guys have? Do you guys have? Do you guys have three sons at this point when you're moving to Pierce County. Yes. All right. So three boys. I can't even relate. I got four no? daughters. I got, well, I got four daughters, right? Like, I mean, that's. I mean, I can relate in that <laughs> it's the opposite of you, right? That's it is my life. And for me, what I've had to have is invest in a lot of shovels and alibis. Uh, actually, no, I'm just joking. I said that I said that joke to my buddy uh, who owns the Canopy Chardware store down in Beach, Oregon, and he just shook his head at me. And I, yeah, that was inappropriate. I shouldn't have said that. And he goes, he goes, no, crab pot, no buoy. And I sat there and thought about, if I throw a crab pot on without a buoy, I can't get it. Oh, the crabs take care of the work. So you guys are crossfitting. He's rocking and rolling here at Pierce County and uh, the night comes Uh, January 7th. He goes into work January 7th, 2018. Uh, What happens, Sierra?
1: Yeah. So he was actually, he had worked a double the night before. Um, And so he got up with just enough time to eat something, shower and you know, hang out with the boys for just a few minutes. And he was out the door again. I made, you know, we would have our, our big family dinner was at lunchtime before he left. So we ate dinner and said goodbye. And I finished my day out just, you know, picking up the house, getting the boys into bed um, and then ended the night in bed, him and I texting back and forth about kind of the next day and what the plan was and what things were going to look like. Um, went to sleep and ultimately I woke up to my phone ringing and it was the it was the county's call out system and for some reason my number got connected to it and we never really fixed that so it probably should never have been that way <laughs> but ultimately God knew what I needed and it was rough but I I I answered my phone and listened to the recording. And it said that there had been an uh, officer involved shooting. So I immediately sent Daniel a text and just said, are you okay? And waited. I got on Facebook, started checking social media. I seen that there was a call, um, an incident that was happening in the next city over. And it sounded and looked like a bunch of officers and deputies were moving up to help out with another call. So I just kept telling myself, you know, no news is good news. Um, trying, to tried to remain calm and just wait for him. And time went on, and my the, the phone just kept ringing with these updates about an officer-involved shooting. And ultimately, um, they ended up putting his badge number out over that call. So one of the last calls that I heard the recording, it said, um, "For it, for down." And so I knew at that moment that it was him and I got myself up and I got dressed and I went to my kitchen and I spent, um, 30 to 45 minutes on the floor (laughs) crying out to God. But I knew that somebody was coming because that was Daniel and I had talked multiple times about what the process would look like. Somebody will come to you. um, Someone will come and get you. And so I I was just waiting. So I, you know, took our house alarm system off. And when I seen the headlights come down the driveway, I met them at the door. So (laughs) that was probably a lot of people would say, wow, that is the worst way to find out. But For me, it was, I needed that moment to be prepared. I needed to be dressed. I needed to have my things in order. Uh, And so it was helpful in looking back in the the big scheme of things.
0: Yeah. What role did your family play in these next couple hours and days, Sarah?
1: Yeah. So um, I was told at the door that, they didn't know, you know, they had no information. They said, yes, he's been shot. We don't know, because I just wanted to know. I kept just th- telling, like, please just tell me, like, if he's gone, I just want to know. And they just kept telling me, we don't know, we got to get you to the hospital. And I'm like, I have three sleeping kids. And because we had relocated for him to have this job at Pierce County, we didn't have any family in the area. My parents were an hour away. My brother was two hours away. And so I just, my next step was to go into panic mode, more so for my kids. Like, what am I going to do with my kids? I couldn't even fathom picking three kids up, young kids, and taking them to the hospital. So I called my parents, of course, first, and I said, you have to come right now. And so they were on their way. And ultimately, they ended up rerouting to the hospital because I, the, the, People from the sheriff's department that came to my door. There was there was enough of them that somebody was able to stay with the kids, and then I had my cousin. Um, I called her; she was a little bit closer, and she came and took over. So, you know, that was just another chunk of it. Was I am a my kids don't go and stay with people. They don't. They were homeschooled. I. It's like walking out the door, knowing that my husband had just been shot and not knowing if he was going to survive and also leaving my three kids, knowing that they may potentially wake up and be in our home with with somebody that they don't know. So it was just, it was the ultimate nightmare.
0: Yeah. Daniel, what was that like for you and for the rest of the the Gardner family as you guys get the word of what happened?
2: One of the toughest things that we've ever been through. I just remember getting the call and wishing I wasn't so far away. Yeah, but we ultimately got our kids up and got out the door quickly. And it probably wasn't 40 minutes into our drive that we got the call that he didn't make it. And uh, I just remember being on the side of the road in my car.
0: Yeah. I'm assuming, Sierra, that your, your life at this point is just a whirlwind. I, you know, I'm watching from afar as this is unfolding. And I mean, there's just, is there just tons of activity and people? And I don't know what, what happened in the in the following days and weeks
1: yeah it was it was it was crazy i mean it was crazy combined with a lot of support and love um but i mean i went i was escorted into the hospital and escorted out of the hospital and from that moment on nobody basically left our side. Um, We had 24-hour security. A deputy was, or a law enforcement officer, was parked in our driveway continuously. I didn't, I don't think I drove a car, (laughs) drove myself in a car for a month after, like, the support was amazing, but it, I mean, almost suffocating, but amazing. But it just, there was people that were, I mean, we had food and groceries and people in and out and, people picking me up to take me to all of the appointments that I needed for planning the memorial service. And just, it was a lot. It was, it was a lot to the point where obviously because of the grief, I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't eating, but also the only time that I had to even sit in my emotions was in the middle of the night. So, you know, I just remember having my kids three across in, in my bed and then just laying on the edge and this much space, you know, in the middle of the night, knowing I wasn't going to sleep, but it was the only time that I had to process things and just try to grasp what was going on and how much our world had been turned upside down.
0: Yeah. Well, kids, kids have a way of sucking up the bed. Don't they? (laughs) They do. Yeah. If we allow our children, our, our, Two daughters that are still in the house have a thing about coming into our room at night and asking us to do a sleepover. And I'm like, "You're 16 and 11. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> I have no bed right now. I'm about to fall off." <laughs> so as as you move through this grieving process, uh, there's the the funeral, the uh, the ceremony, and and you're coming out of that. How? I mean, again, three boys, what were what were some of those first thoughts going through your mind? Like, what are you going to do moving forward? Were you working at the time? I can't remember. Uh, I mean, these are just things that, that people have to, you have to process, right? As you're processing it in the middle of the night, these are decisions you're going to need to make in weeks, months, years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't working. I was a stay-at-home mom, homeschooling all of the boys so that in a way was you know it took something out of the mix um obviously one of my first very first concerns was you know financial things i thought i'm gonna have to go back to work i'm gonna have to start utilizing this um, cosmetology license that I got back in high school. How am I going to take care of these kids? They never—they had never gone to school, and I—I I just didn't know. And it was a process. But at the same time, I because they were home, and I didn't have to worry about the school and the missing school or whatever. And I didn't have to worry about a job. It was—it was another blessing for me in the midst of that's How what we knew and we were able to still just continue on with the basics of that, but. You know, it, our, nothing felt, I mean, nothing went, ever went back to normal, but I had, I mean, I, I think another, probably a good month. Again, we had people in our driveway for several weeks on security. I My family rotated every single night in and out of my house. We didn't spend any nights alone until I finally got to the point, probably about a month later where I said, okay, I need a little bit of space. I'm ready to do some, you know, do a night by myself. But I just, I, I was never left alone and I didn't have to make any hard decisions on my own. So whether it was the support from my family or behind the badge was obviously walked through that process with us hand in hand. Um, the department was really good about taking care of a lot of things. So I had a lot of help. Um, and besides getting things situated for Daniel, not a lot else when, you know, other life long-term outlook decisions were made right away. It was just like too much. I couldn't, I could not process it. Yeah.
0: Now, one of the things that Daniel enjoyed was coffee. Yes. Yes. And during, if I understand correctly, on a normal work day, he gets black coffee and on the weekends, kind of as a treat, he would get white, white mochas.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: So somewhere in there, this love for coffee that I assume you also share—you you enjoy a good cup of coffee. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Pretty,
0: <laughs> pretty much all moms. I mean, there, there might be some exceptions to the rule, totally. but I just know we we brew a big a big pot every day. Somewhere in there, you get this idea. You get this idea of giving back. What what started this idea of what eventually has grown into Four Eight Four Hero?
1: Yeah. So. You know, one of the very first things that the boys started doing, it was every time we would go to Daniel's graveside, we would take flowers and coffee. And the first couple times I did it, I kept, I, I kept thinking and telling myself, he would be so mad at me for buying a white chocolate mocha and leaving it at his graveside. Like, what a waste. And so there was actually a couple of times where I actually like dumped it in the grass next to him. Like, here's your coffee. Because I was like, it's either that or leave the cup full. I couldn't wrap my head around it, but I also couldn't stop doing it. Like it just became this thing. Like we were taking dad coffee. Um, And that was a part of the journey and the process for the boys and I of moving forward, you know, losing out on that ritual of having coffee on his weekend home or whatever, or, you know, the boys helping him fix his pot of coffee before work. Um So we, we started doing that, and that was a ritual. And um where Coffee with Dan came in was on the um, anniversary, the third anniversary of his end of watch. It was the first year that we didn't really have anything planned. Um, I didn't really know what to do with our day. I was like, do we stay home and, you know, feel sad and wallow in it? Do we process it? Do we, do I take the boys out to do something fun? It feels weird to celebrate, but it was just such a process. So ultimately we went and got coffee, took Daniel coffee. And in the process of that, I said, you know what, let's do something to show our appreciation for all of the love and the support that we have gotten from the deputies, the police officers all across, you know, Pierce County, Washington state. And really, I mean, across the country, there was people that had reached out to us and did amazing things for us. So we wanted to give back. So I got my family on board and a couple friends so that we could get a couple more coffee stands, you know, within, across a couple different counties um, and the boys and I, we literally all we did was do the drive up and I pulled up and I said, I want to load a coffee card, a gift card, and any police officer or deputy that comes through, I want you to give them their coffee for free. And if you could just let them know that it is in honor of Deputy McCartney, I would su- I would super appreciate that. And I threw a hashtag, I just printed out some paper and just did a hashtag because, and I said, please, if you feel sit, you know, okay with sharing a photo, the boys would love to see that people are having coffee with their dad in remembrance of him. Um, and so it was very, very basic um, and we did get some people posted some photos, some people texted me some photos um, sharing that they had coffee and the boys like they just loved that and it just felt good to get out of our sadness and to give back and to let people know that we appreciate not only what they did for us, but we appreciate that they're still out there doing the job that Daniel once did that he loved and that we know is so hard.
0: Wow. Wow. Powerful. So that was year three. You did that again in year four. Yeah. And then at some point, uh, if I remember correctly, Sierra, your family's like, hey, we can make this even bigger. <laughs> at what point did you did you start speaking into this, Daniel, in reference to what how we could grow this to bless even more people?
2: Well, something about me that you should probably know is I, <laughs> I don't do things halfway so it's all or nothing for me and when she mentioned something about I think you said hey can you build me a website Uh, that's what I do for my business and I said yeah we can do that
1: I just asked for a website to sell some (laughs) t-shirts
2: just want a website and a couple t-shirts that's it (laughs) and I did my thing and a couple months later we are yeah, working around the clock, trying to get things ready for a launch. And we have a whole bunch of merch and we're like, why can't we get more people on board to help with this? And I, so that's kind of where it started. Awesome. So um, at the time of us
0: recording this, you have just launched 484hero.com by the time this releases, it's going to be a couple, couple weeks in its operation. What, what all is on 48hero.com?
2: Yeah. So, um, the it's really centered around getting people involved in our mission. Um, and that is not only to remember Daniel, but also to show appreciation to law enforcement. And we really want to move forward in that. Um, and so there's, there's three primary ways on the website for people to get involved. Number one is purchasing items. So right currently we have two different t-shirts, two challenge coins, a coffee mugs, some bracelets, some stickers. One of those shirts and one of the coins are limited edition. So there's only a hundred of them just to kind of give something special for people to hold on to. So that's the first way you can, you can buy things. Um, the second way is simply donations. So we have a way for you to give one time donations. We also have a way set up for monthly reoccurring if somebody wants to participate in that way. And then the third way is partnerships. So a partnership is really geared towards a coffee shop, but it's not limited to that. So we've already had some businesses reach out to us who are not coffee shops that want to be involved. So um, if they are a coffee shop, we're asking them to partner with us to provide um, coffee to law enforcement. Um, there's different ways that they can get involved. We can help financially with that, or they can provide it all, um, themselves. So can we kind of give some options for them? Um, if it's not a coffee shop, you know, we are just sitting down with people individually and saying, Hey, how can you partner with us in ways maybe there's things that they want to donate, you know, for giveaways or, selling things on the website, that sort of thing. So we're still navigating all of that. But we know that there's a lot more to come with this. But for right now, what we're focused on is Coffee with Dan. And we're really focused on this coming January 8th, which is the five-year anniversary, is let's provide coffee to as many law enforcement as we can that day. And then moving forward, we're excited to see this grow even more, not just once a year, uh, and we're not really, we're not sure what that looks like yet, but we're excited because we know that people want to show their support to law enforcement. And I, we know that there's going to be a lot of people wanting to get involved in this. So,
0: do you guys have, and I don't want you to have to reveal too many of your cards, do you guys have any ideas of where this might go? I mean, coffee with Dan again, it's coming up here uh, very soon, but then after that, and in coming years, do you guys have? Anything that you can reveal of thoughts that this might grow into?
2: Well, we have lots of ideas, and I'm going to just keep that under wraps. <laughs> I um, I would just say that we really want, we would like to see events happening, not just in Washington State, but around the country. We really want to have some material that is geared towards probably kids and teaching them life values and Christian values, the things that Daniel held closely to his heart, fitness and nutrition relationship with God, those sort of things.
1: Yeah. Positive being positive towards law enforcement for kids. Cause so many, so many out kids out there get like a negative view of that. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: I was at a community event here probably about a month and a half ago. And there was this three-and-a-half-year-old dressed in this Wonder Woman outfit, kind of like a Halloween costume. That wasn't the event. She just chose to wore Wonder Woman that day in which, you know, when you're three and you want to wear Wonder Woman, you wear Wonder Woman. And she was yes. rocking it. And she comes up to me and gives me the sweetest hug on my leg. And so, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, tough dude, right? But when little kids just come up to you like that, it it, it connects with your heart. So I I kneel down and I give her a hug and I look up at her mom and I'm like, that right there is a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. You've taught your daughter that I represent someone that will help her Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: that that I'm safe. So, you know, great job, mom. Mom appreciated it, but I appreciated it even more. Those kind of stories, again, they carry me. This yeah. job of law enforcement is tough. Nobody calls nine one one because dinner was on time and kids are getting straight A's. They call nine one one because they're going through maybe the worst event in their life, and they need help. And then mm-hmm. we show up and we trudge through the trauma and everything. And and if you throw on top of that a lack of community support, it uh, it it's really hard to do the job. Uh, yes. So. That's why I love the fact that you all are doing this and that you've, you've been growing it outside of, I mean, the folks in Pierce County deserve it. The deputies there, the officers in that area, the fact that you're doing it there, they were the ones that supported you, Sierra. I think that's that's awesome. But seeing you grow this outside of just the Pierce County area is is remarkable. And I think it, especially right now when I see a lot of police officers around the country uh, struggling, uh, just struggling with with morale. Struggling, struggling with with staying in the job and yeah. and protecting our community. This is powerful. How how do the boys feel about this? I mean, you guys. I mean, again, it, it's something you guys did before. It was almost this, as you described it. I'm seeing this is almost this private thing, Sierra, that you and your boys are doing. And and now, I mean, there's shirts, right? There's coins. There's a website. What what has been some of their their f- feedback to you about, about coffee with Dan.
1: Yeah, they, they're, they're super excited. Um, I think the tradition, you know, just the last two years of them being involved with me, just going to the coffee stand, just simply to load the coffee cards, um, and talking about what that means, um, has been great. And I think their favorite part is getting the feedback from people. You know, even if I just got a text message from a friend with a picture, you know, with his coffee mug or whatever, I'll show it to them. And, Um, They just, they love it. I think that it makes them feel like they are giving back and they're doing something good. And, you know, losing their dad obviously rocked their world. It's the hardest thing that they have ever gone through, but they still see the good in the job. They, you know, they don't think, oh my gosh, law enforcement's awful. It took our dad from us. No, they still talk about, I might want to be a cop when I grow up, you know, I, and how much they love and remember all of the things that people did for us and all of our close friends that are still in law enforcement that, um, reach out to them, that it just, it means a lot to them. And they're super excited about the new merchandise, you know, for them, new t-shirts, new coins, you know, it's, it's fun. So
0: I love it. Well, I will say this to you, Sierra. That is a learned behavior. Them, them remembering that stuff the way that they are remembering this history, uh, the way that they're remembering it, is because of the way you're walking with them through it, courageously and 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 just um, wow. Well, I admire you. I admire you. And I know as a Christian, as a as a Christ follower, sometimes. Uh, you know, I mean, we do deflect it because because everything that we are is because of Jesus Christ. However, um, we also have to decide to get up out of bed today and put our pants on, put our shirt on, and go out there and, and faithfully follow. So I see you doing that. Hey, if folks want to get involved, I know I've said it, I think like three or four times now, but one of the easiest ways to do it is simply to go to the number 484hero.com and they can find out on your website, buying merch, uh, being a sponsor? How about if they just have questions? Is there a place on the website they can just shoot you as a message?
2: Yeah, there's, there's a contact form. Um, there's three tabs. One is um, general questions, if they have any. One is um, becoming a partner, getting involved with us. And the other is a tribute wall that we have on the website that if anybody has any Uh, memories or stories of Dan, they can submit those there. And there's already a few on the website, but we really want to see that grow and just keep those memories alive as well.
0: I love it. Hey, thank you, Sierra and Daniel for, for being willing to, to carve out this time with me and to tell your story and just thank you for what you're moving forward. Again, as a police officer, this really encourages me.
2: Thank you. And and let me just say for any law enforcement watching this, thank you for what you do. Um, You don't hear that enough and we're here to make that happen. We're going to do whatever we can to um, spread the appreciation and get people involved so that you can feel that in a new way. So thank you so much.
0: Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, that was probably one of the most uh, powerful uh, interviews that I've had the opportunity to do. Sierra's story and her courage and her strength uh, through life and through the last five years is just absolutely, absolutely remarkable. I hope that uh, you're going to jump over to 484hero.com. Check out the website. Maybe you pick up a shirt, coin, a coffee mug. If you're a coffee shop, maybe you consider sponsoring 484HERO or sponsoring Coffee with Dan in your community and communicating to the police officers that are serving there that you appreciate them standing watch and keeping your community safe. Uh, Folks, Jamie and I want to continually hear from you. How are we doing here? Are we bringing valuable content to your life, giving you that opportunity to take an assessment and maintain perspective. Uh, There's a few different ways to communicate back to us. First and foremost, please follow us on whatever podcast platform you're consuming this on. That's going to cause the next episode to pop up the next time you open your your podcast app. Also, if you're following this on Apple or Spotify, you can rate and review us. There's five stars waiting on the main page. We'd really appreciate a five-star rating if if we've earned it folks. If we haven't earned it, keep your stars. Shoot me an email at chris at gravityct.com. Let us know how to make it better. Maybe future marriage Monday topics or guests for me to interview. Folks, we only get to live this life once.
2: Let's go out and take care of the people in our tribe. Take care of each other. God bless.